Welcome to Talk It Out, the show where we talk about the Sunday message. My name's Chase, I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by Jeff. Hello. Ross. Hi. And Montana. Hello. We always struggle with our intros yeah, we here. We do. Well, last week you had us introduce ourselves. I know, it's just, you know. That's gotta, right. Well, like I said last week, I keep you on your toesies, so. That's true. Anyway. Toesies. Uh, so this is a special little episode being released here September 6th on Tuesday. Happy birthday, babe. Serena's birthday. Love you. Mm, uh, Boo Bear. Boo Bear. But we're actually Boo-Bear. recording this before the message. Yes. So it's like, talk it out, pre-talk it out almost. Yes. So I'm going to turn it over to Ross. Well, the good thing about the fact that we are on staff at Cross Timbers and that we have the speaker for Sunday here with us <gasps> is that we out. can talk about some of the topics from the message mm-hmm. because we already know what you're going to share. That's true. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do today. So it still is kind of in the same essence of what we're going to do. Sure. So if you are just hearing this. what we talk about today. Yeah. And then what happens Sunday. That's true. And we'll see. That's true. Fun. But what you're planning to talk about is hard seasons and specifically your hard season with Noah, your most recently born son. How old is he? He is four and a half months. That's so cool. Almost five months in a week. Yeah. And uh, you're going to share a lot about his story, but Mm -hmm. we wanted to kind of dig into some more things that maybe you're not going to be able to get to on Sunday. Sure. Sure. That sounds like fun. (laughs) (laughs) How long did you know you were doing this message? So, y'all remember the watermelon message from yep. a few times ago? Uh, I That was the one I was going to do it, but as we started formulating that series and the content, I was like, ah, I don't want to force that. And so, you know, Labor Day, it's always a good little standalone weekend in between series. And so it kind of worked out to, to be able to share. And I think Josiah and I talked wanting me to get an opportunity to share his story because it's so important. It's important to us, but it's such a good opportunity, I think, to remind people Ultimately, like God is still involved in your life. God wants to be, God's still doing miracles. He's still hearing your prayers. And so that was kind of the, I think the big reminder for me in all of this personally was all the things that I say and do and tell people and pray about, like all the stuff just as a Christian that you kind of promote or for me, like getting on stage and talk about and preach about, but like just the stuff that you represent, it's like also true. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes... For me, I struggle with, oh, I believe all these things. It's on posters in my house, but then like really living in it. Mm-hmm. And and that was kind of the end of the message, like really being able to receive that. Not just It's not just theory, like it's real. Yeah. <laughs> I can get caught up in just the theory of like, well, I know this is true and we'll just keep doing it. But that to me, like there is a feeling, there's a tangible side of faith that if you don't ever get to, then like I, those Christians who don't get to that, man, like power to you for still believing and not seeing. That's just crazy. But that to me is where it's like believing all these things, but then actually seeing them happen. That to me is when your faith really becomes real yeah. and it explodes. Yeah. And so that was over those 46 days, Nick, you and the ups and the downs, man. It was like, wow, that was the big thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if you're going to talk about this on Sunday, but you guys found out that there could be potential issues yeah, way so earlier Back on. in February, I'm not going to go into the details of all of this piece of it, but yeah, back in February, our family, for whatever reason, last two, two years, we all get COVID within like four weeks of each other. And it's always like January. Serena had got COVID right at the end of January, beginning of February. And we were going to do a home birth, super crunchy, you know, 
sitting there in the living room. And I'm just kidding. But like, she wanted to do a home birth. We had a midwife. It was the whole thing. Just bathing each other in essential oils. It's gonna be great. I'm joking. Sorry. I can't <laughs> let go. I can't let it go. It just seems, it, I don't know. That's just not my thing. Oils. But yeah, you know, oils and all the crunchy things people do. But mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ross, Gr- you tell us more about <laughs> granola. Granola. That's the right word oh, now, I guess. Gee. The point is, we were gonna do a home birth. The midwife said, hey, with COVID, like, let's just get another sonogram just to make sure everything's still okay. And it ended up like that sonogram was actually what saved probably Noah. Like wow. there, it could have gotten, it could have gotten very dicey because that's where we saw the fluid in his kidneys and his bladder and knew, and she said like, you can't do this at home now. Right. You can't go to a birthing center. Like you need to be at a hospital. So we started going to these doctors, these specialists, they kept looking at it and they were like, you know, hey, there's some sort of blockage that means you need to deliver at a hospital and preferably deliver uh, at like a level four NICU, which is really only going to be like in DFW, like three hospitals and they're all downtown Dallas or Fort Worth. And so um, they sent us to Dallas to Medical City and we were once a week down there on Fridays doing all the pre-appointments for everything. And at that point they had said, oh, this will be seven to 10 days in the NICU after he's born because they need to go in and remove an obstruction in his bladder. There was still, for, you know, moms, whatever, still amniotic fluid around him. So it wasn't like the worst, worst case. So they were just like, oh, we just need to help him when he gets out. And so he was born. I guess they started, you know, doing the normal baby stuff over those few hours and a couple days of heel pokes. And like, he just wasn't getting better. His kidneys were not functioning at all, which I talked about. All right, I'll talk about, but like the numbers just kept getting worse. Yeah. And the whole let me, deal. Let me ask you about this. So there's three of us at this table who have been part of a pregnancy and birth and all of those things. And it always feels, it always feels really scary. Yeah. And just like something could go wrong here. Yeah. It feels very fragile in those moments. And so to get that news, like that's like worst nightmare scenario of like, you know, we've been basically all of pregnancy is like trying to avoid any issues. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so then it's like, oh, there's actually an issue. Yeah, and, so and tell I me how I that didn't feel felt. I didn't. We didn't feel nervous. I said we. I don't want to speak for Serena, but right. I didn't feel nervous. If anything, I was like, we're going to the doctor once or twice a week right now, yeah, and true. it's like we're getting all the specialists and special. Like we used some sort of sonogram machine. It's like the first one in Texas and like the third one in the U.S. that can basically like actually show the blood flowing through all of the different things. Like it was super crazy wow. looking. So like, I didn't feel nervous about the, the actual delivery and I don't think Serena did either. I think it was just more of like, okay, well let's get this week in the NICU done. Let's get the procedure, which is going to be like a bedside procedure. Super simple. Uh, let's get that done and then get them, get them good. And we'll get on the way. And that did not happen two days later. <laughs> just more specifics for everyone. I actually had gone home to take Daisy to her soccer game. My parents were helping. Lucy was there. And so I was like, let's go soccer because we didn't want to just abandon our kids. And I didn't, I'm going to talk about that a little bit of just the the challenge that everything you do is a sacrifice, really. And the question is, is the sacrifice worth it? Yeah. <laughs> and that was something that was hard. It was like, we don't want to just stay here for a week without seeing our other two kids. So it was like, yeah, take them. Well, when I left to go home, take Daisy to our soccer game and Lucy and it was a blasty blast. Uh, and it was actually the game that um, Daisy was going to play scout. And so Josiah and I had kind of made this like goofy little uh, social media rivalry. And yeah. so like, it was supposed to be a fun day. Uh, I left and like 30 minutes later, the doctor had come in and basically said, hey, his kidneys are 
are are have failed, like it's renal failure, and we need to put him on dialysis pretty quick. Otherwise, he's not going to make it. Wow. So she, as, and Tarine can tell that story too later, but like she was by herself. She went back to her room, her hospital room, cried her eyes out. And I felt so bad. I didn't know, obviously, but what do you do with that heavy of information when you wow. have no clue? You have no, like, we don't have, you know, family history of this. She doesn't have family history, whatever. It's just what happened. Mm-hmm. And so... That to me was where even even in that moment, it still wasn't clear. Like I, she called me, we left the soccer game early. I drove back up there and it just didn't click until we got him back out of that surgery. The video I'm going to show until we got him like back in the room and it was like, okay, like here's a tube literally coming out of his side and going to, you know, flow this saline through every hour. And, and then, oh, by the way, you're going to, you're going to do this for a few days in the hospital and stay in the hospital overnight a few days to do it yourself. And then you learn how to do it, you know, here so you can go home and do it. It was just like, wait, what? And that I think that's when the, the moment happened. Like that was that fallout moment of everything is different. Everything has changed. We're going to change things in our house. We're going to change schedules. It's like, he's, nope, not going to the beach. Like can't do those things. Like, and the whole thing is a, a timer then of getting him big enough to get a kidney transplant. Mm-hmm. And so I, even down to like, like a bath. It's like, well, you can't really submerge them in water. And it's just like, well, three, four years of of changing the way we lived, you know, with two other kids who are kids who want to go to the beach and want to do those things. It's just like, like all of that just changes. And it's very overwhelming, which once again, all of us have seasons of different things that you just feel like things keep stacking up. Yeah. And I think it's not God putting bad things in our way life is life. And I think that was something I kind of want to talk about at the end of the message. And we all experience this. It's the words of Jesus, the rain's going to fall on the righteous and the the wicked. Like life is life. It's not about avoiding it. It's not about God helping us avoid it. It's about the presence of God with us through it, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And and like, I want to ask you guys, as y'all think about hard seasons in your life, what does that look like? Or even think about a friend, you know, if you don't want to be too personal, but how has that looked for you of, having to battle against God did this to us, God allowed this, or the focus more being about no matter what we face, God isn't going to be with us. How how do you manage that tension? I think for me, I feel like I, I recently was sort of in that season. I remember thinking, God, I'm waiting. I feel like I'm just waiting here. What am I supposed to do? And I kind of got into this mindset, and and it's funny to see now because I can see the areas I was so blind in, but in the moment I couldn't. And I just remember being like, God, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I feel like I've done everything and what else am I supposed to do? And it kind of hit me like, I'm asking what I should be doing. And this is kind of the point is like, I need to be surrendering that I can do anything. Mm. And this does suck. And I did believe that Jesus was right there with me empathizing through the pain that I was going through. But ultimately, I was trying to make it better. I don't know. It it just took that moment of me realizing like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like, I'm trying everything and I can't do it. So it's just sort of that surrender moment of like, oh my gosh. And that was the moment where it was like things started to change and it didn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. You know, even just the act of confession of telling somebody what was happening that was the moment things changed. I don't know, it feels so backwards because it felt backwards to me because I was waiting for this thing to happen. Like one day I'm just going to wake up and this will be better. 
And it wasn't actually that. It was acknowledging that I don't know how to make it better. And I need, like, I needed the Lord more than I ever needed him. Mm-hmm. And he was always there. He wasn't ever gone. But I totally felt like he wasn't with me. And I was just like, okay, mm-hmm. any minute now, if you could come back into my life, that would be great. I don't know. It yeah. was, yeah, yeah, it was tough. I had a experience. This wasn't really something that happened with me. I just got to witness it. But I went to a funeral a couple weeks back. There's a, a lady at my wife's work. She's a teacher. Her name was Amy Koch. And she passed away of cancer. And she had battled cancer for years, beat it. It came back, mm-hmm. uh, battled it again for like a year and a half. And then finally she passed away. This lady, I maybe have had two interactions with her the whole time that my wife's known her. But she's just one of those people that when you meet it, when you meet them, they just kind of light up. Mm. And they're they are literally like the light in the world, the city on the hill, whatever you want. It's, there's one of those people who just bring joy to people and are constantly mm. talking about Jesus. And it was just interesting because she she passed away. And if there's like a list of people who deserve to die of cancer, she would have been last on the list. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so you're sitting there stuck in this area going like, God, why did you allow this? to happen to her. But anyways, I go to this funeral and uh, we're in this sanctuary that probably has like 300, 400 chairs in it. And it's packed full of just people who knew this woman. They were coworkers. Uh, People had come in from Georgia where she lived for a little bit. There were ex-students who met her in elementary school and are now in high school. It was the weirdest funeral I've ever been to because it was just people coming up and sharing moments that they had with her. And then we would stop and worship. And then we would do it again and again and again. Then at the end, they played this video that she made a week after she got the second diagnosis about if she died. And the whole time she's sitting there talking about the thing that matters is Jesus and having the love of Jesus in your life and sharing that love with other people. And everybody who came up and talked about her shared that message with her. Mm -hmm. And so we were just stuck in this space of like everybody in this room was sad because she wasn't here, but then they were filled with worship because of everything God had done and they knew where she was. I don't know if that really answers your question, but it, it, it just felt this sense of like, even though this terrible thing happened, God turned it into something good and he was still working and moving in all of it and just showing how he worked and moved in the life of this woman. And so it was just yeah. amazing to see. That's my main verse is Romans 8 of 828 of God working all things for our good. It's it's like such a, a poster verse, like throw it in your caption, mm-hmm. your bio, but like that is the hardest thing to believe when you're in that moment. Yeah. And it's hard because for me and Serena, you know, she would double down on this too. It's like, like in that moment, I want to do that because I want to rush through. Like I don't want to yeah. feel all my feelings. Like I don't want to <laughs> be sad. I don't want to cry. I don't want to whatever. But it's like, it's because I, I want to get there because I know that's true. But the problem then is also I don't slow down to, and when we say feel our feelings like spiritually, like I don't slow down to actually like challenge myself to say, mm-hmm. well, do I really believe this? Yeah. And not just say it, not just, you know, yell it at someone, but like, <laughs> Can I say it to myself? Yeah. You know, can I really sit in that? Yeah. And I love what you you also said, because that's kind of, I think, the way I want to sort of open the message this weekend with is, and once again, we know you're listening to this after the message. This is being recorded before, so we'll see how it all goes. But <laughs> that question, I think we all get to, whether it's our hard season or our friends, like, God, where are you? Yeah. Or, God, why? Like, why me? Why Noah? Why 
whoever, why this thing that I thought I battled before or, or I, I beat before, why is it back? That is always the question. And then I think the quick thing is like, God, why? Well, it doesn't matter because you do all things for good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a Christian. But like <laughs> yeah. that does not help someone who doesn't know Jesus. Yeah. And though that is true, that's not the way to to meet them first. Yeah. And so it might I, not even help someone who does know Jesus. Exactly. And and that's where like, you use that word of Jesus empathizing with us. Like we grow in our empathy if we allow ourselves to feel pain too. Yeah. Because, and this is a really cool story. I probably won't share this. Um Maybe, but well, you'll find out. Uh, or y'all can tell me now, actually, who's listening. But there's a there's a family who, a cross-timbers family, and their kiddo, a, a boy, was born early, really early. They're at Presbyterian right down the road here in Denton. They're going to be there for a few months. I got to go sit with them, and it's like, I know what to tell them now. Yeah. Like, I know what to tell them, do not sit in that NICU room for 24 hours a day eat your lunch out here in the lobby, go outside and walk around the building one time. Little things that I, I just remember when I did them, it was like, okay, I could take a breath. Okay, this is how I'm going to you know, protect my heart. Okay, this is how I can keep myself from going crazy. This is what I wish someone would have told me. I can tell them that now as opposed to just being that sort of like, forgive me, like first Baptist churchgoer who just, nope, God, if God's sovereign. It's his thing. He knows what's going on. It's yeah. like, yeah, man, but there's you deal with stuff and i i remember this all came to a head one day because the the first few days uh being in nicu every nicu's a little different but the this one's set up where they're kind of these pods and there's two beds in a room typically some rooms only have one no ended up being in a in a room by himself because you know their procedures some things have to be sterile blah 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 so when we first got there he was in a two person room after dialysis those first few days they moved him into a single kid room and there's one chair, basically like one chair to one bed. And I remember standing for hours. I remember rolling around in the doctor stool for hours. I remember Serena, like, I'm going to go to the bathroom, walk outside for a second. And I was like, thank you. I get to sit in a real chair. And I remember finally, like, one of the nurses we got to know a little bit. I'm like, is there any way I can get a chair? We're going to be here for three months is what they kind of told us in the beginning. Uh, can I get a chair? They, they're like, oh yeah. And they like found me a chair and I drug it in there and I sat down in the chair and I started to cry. And I'm like, why am I crying about a hospital chair? But it was the whole deal of like, there was a lot of layers to that of dads and whatever. But it's just like, there was that moment of like, yeah, like you have feelings. You're not crying about a chair. You're hurt. The yeah. chair just happened to be the final thing to break it out of you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where Serena was like, ask me hard questions. Like, we got to talk about this. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you worried about? And I had to learn to slow down, to not rush to the solution, which I'm really quick to do because I don't want to feel those feelings, for it to really, like, I, I know, especially here at Cross Timbers, we've heard this for years, but you've got to feel it yourself. you got to get there yourself to really be okay not being okay. And this was that moment. Like, sometimes you choose to learn that, and sometimes it's you crash into it car hitting a wall. Um, well, but that was the, that was what I had to learn. I mean, the important thing there too is that, um, you know, you said, how do you fight for belief that God is good even in the midst of those circumstances? Well, a lot of times you don't believe he's good in those mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. How can he be good when I'm right. staring at my son in a hospital bed? Yeah. And I think we f- don't feel like we can't have, we don't have the freedom. God can't handle mm-hmm. those moments where we feel like, yeah. God, you can't be good in this time, mm-hmm. right. you know? And I think, 
if we're honest with ourselves, like I've heard Brian say this, Brian Hagney in our healing place of saying this before. I mean, we, we, we have to be honest and we have to be honest with ourselves about where we're at, if there's any growth that can happen. And so he'll be sitting with a couple who are just throwing poison at one another mm. and he'll say, Hey wife, you hate your husband, don't you? you hate him, don't you? And if you're not willing to be honest to say that, then there's no growth that can happen mm-hmm. because the growth has to come from you being able to be like, this is how I truly feel about you. Yeah. God, this is how I truly feel in this situation. Yeah. And until I can be that way, we can't have any, we can't, there's no room for any growth here. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're going through a hard season right now, if you're listening to this, going through a hard season, like the thing that you're feeling about God, about your situation, about your life, it's completely valid. That doesn't mm-hmm. change how good God is. That doesn't change his plan and purpose and the hope that can be in your situation. Doesn't change how he feels about you. Doesn't change how he feels about you, yeah. but it is real. <laughs> and yeah. And if you hate God right now, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the Psalms, man. I mean, yeah. David all over the Psalms is talking about asking God to commit genocide on his enemies. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like non-godly, holy (laughs) things, right? And uh, Even just as like, where are you, God? You've left me. I'm abandoned. I'm, you know, like a sheep without a shepherd. I'm, yeah, as we know, and we Christify, but he always followed up with, but I know you're with me always. I know (laughs) you're good. But it's like- To your point. That's a whole season of time, man. That's not exactly. That exactly. That's mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, like how long did it take him to pen those words uh-huh. and then yeah. the end? Right. Yeah. You know, like how long does it take Paul to get to the place where he says, God works all things mm-hmm. for good? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? We're reading these pages, you know, flat. Yeah. And there's an actual span that happens yeah. in these times. So the things that we can feel and believe the things that we need to believe in, and we're not going to like fall away because of it. Yeah. yeah. Why do you go- think it's it's not so easy to admit? Hard things that we're believing, I guess, especially about God. Why is it so hard for us to do that? To admit it? Yeah. Like, I mean, I know growing up, I wouldn't, I mean, now maybe even, like, I'm not going to say, I think this <laughs> sucks right now. And God, I, I almost think you suck right now. Like, that might be something that's true, but I'm like, oh, that away makes from me her, a so bad Christian. Yeah. <laughs> right, literally. <laughs> Well, well, I think it's that. I mean, I think it's like the culture that we have where being yeah, like our culture, yeah, yeah. Being sure about something <laughs> mm-hmm. almost feels like you have more faith or that yeah. you're like, well, and yeah. it's so final. Like when you say that, there's never going back. Yes, yeah. because that's kind of how the world has turned now. It's right. like, oh, you said something and you know, 2010, <laughs> and you can't take that back. Like, yeah. I mean, really, though, like you cannot change your mind anymore in our world. That's a good and point. like, how can you grow? Like any growth, any learning literally is, is a changing of mind. It's a changing of thought. It's it's an expansion of thought mm-hmm. of, hey, I've learned this. I didn't know this about that. Yes, it's, it has informed my decision to be a little bit different. Like the world isn't like that. Like we like yeah. to hold on to something and just say, well, no, that's it till the end of time. And that's not true for any of us about anything. But for whatever reason, we've allowed that kind of thinking to invade, especially into our faith. And so I think there's a church crowd like myself who grew up in this that if we say those words, they feel final. And we feel like as soon as we say that, we're admitting, like Ross said, kind of a weaker faith kind of thing. Um, And well, you know, there's no coming back if I say that now. Sorry, God. Uh, But then I think on on the other half, it's like, it's a finality of it. But I think it's also this sort of emotional piece where when when we say that or we don't say that more so, it's like we try to overthink it or like overeducate the feeling mm-hmm. and then just just ignore it. So the negative side is like, 
I know God's supposed to be good, but he's not. And so that's just that he's not good anymore. And I'm just going to sit back and fold my hands and whatever. And at that point, you allow the situation to, to override what the truth is, to override, like Ross said, the, the season of life that things could change, things will change, things are going to come and go, good and bad are going to happen. But yeah, I, I, ultimately, I think it's because we have, a, we have a hard time with something being adapted or something changing in our mind. Mm-hmm. That's a long-winded answer. Sorry. I think that uh, the truth is too hard for us to, to, or it feels too hard to handle. Mm-hmm. Like if we really feel like we hate our spouse or something, right? Like that's too hard for us to really admit to ourselves because mm-hmm. what it says about us even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? it's a bit of shame yeah. for sure. Yeah, there's. I think there's there's shame there. If we don't believe that God can be good in the midst of our circumstance. Like, what does that say about our own ability and our Mm -hmm. own strength and our own faith? Yeah, Um, I think sometimes we forget the, like, the dichotomy of our own brains. Like, mm -hmm. we totally can feel that God is bad and feel that God is good at the same time. exactly right. And we're always in this battle of back and forth. And it's not about, oh, you need to choose the right one. But I think, like, what we've all said it's just about letting that come mm-hmm. and letting that go. I, it's really about trust too. Like if God loves me, like I think he loves me, then it's going to be okay if I, if I think that, you know, this situation sucks and right. I, and I want to get through it, you know? Right. And that's kind of how I'm wrapping it. I think the message is, because if you go down the road of like the negative side of that, then when something good does happen, you can't receive it. Right. Because then it's the shame is taken over or you ignore the source of it and it's like, well, God didn't do that. You know, that was my, that was my parents. God lucky. didn't do that. I got lucky. Yeah. yeah. And, and then at that point you're actually receiving on the surface, you may be receiving something good, some sort of gift or whatever, but like beneath it, it's like, you're not receiving the reminder that yeah. God's still present and God's still active and God still loves you. Yeah. And, and that, I, you know, that was a challenge for me of like, I'm going to pray these prayers. I'm going to cry my eyes out. I'm listening to these, you know, songs over and over uh, on the way down there and back. And then it's like, like Noah was healed. Literally, like we're rolling him back down that same hallway and, you know, same type of bed back into the same room for them to take the catheter out because his kidneys are now mm-hmm. literally like someone flipped a switch mm-hmm. and they work. And it was almost like, I don't, is that true? Do they really work? Mm-hmm. Like, are you sure? <laughs> are you, y'all, y'all got this right? Check Can you in. prove that? Yeah. And then him coming out without it. And it's like, is this real? And then you start thinking, well, maybe they just misdiagnosed him. Well, maybe they, and it's like mm. hard to even just say like, no, maybe God actually showed up. Wow. Yeah. Maybe God did do it. <laughs> Like, that's such a hard thing, I think, especially in in our culture today. Like, I look at my grandma, who was full of faith and and grew up in a different time. I get all that. But but for her, it's just like, no doubt. Like, oh, yeah, God did it. Like, we all prayed. He did it. We prayed. Like, God shows up. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just so, like, obvious to her. Like, yeah, yeah, he does that. For me, this, like, professional Christian over here, it's like, (laughs) yeah, but did he? You know, and and I think that's part of that deal of not putting that wall up, not letting the the finality type attitude take over so that when the good does come, you can receive it fully. Yeah. Not as a coincidence, not as luck, not as some human, you know, it's, it's got it work through others. It's got it work just directly to you. Yeah. Uh, and that was a challenge. That was definitely a challenge for us was receiving those blessings. Yeah. yeah I, it reminds me of, I think Philippians four, four, I think that's right. Wow, like rejoice. You. Rejoice always in the Lord. Paul is saying that as a command, like we are to rejoice. And I was like, 
what does rejoice mean? <laughs> I mean, I think I know what it means, but it's kind of lumped together with words like grace and joy and love. I'm mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. what does that really mean? And I looked up one definition said to experience God's grace. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, what does it mean to experience God's grace? Like, let me dive deeper into that. Yeah, it's just like experiencing who God is. That totally reframed what it meant to rejoice because how I thought beforehand I need to be happy. Oh, yes, exactly. Always be like rejoice, be happy that I'm going through something bad because it means that God is good where Mm. sure, maybe that's true, but the Lord can do miracles. And I think that's what obviously Noah's story tells so well. And it's, it's like rejoicing always is kind of just living life, living life, acknowledging that the presence of God is within us and through us all the time, and, so, and we're never not with him. Yeah. The one thing that leads me there always is I always think about in those hard times, I have a God who knows exactly how I'm feeling in the mm-hmm. middle of it. Mm-hmm. One thing I've always thought about is just it's weird to me that like, you know, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and that way we can have a relationship with God again. But he lived here for 33 years. Like right. if all he needed to do was die on the cross, <laughs> why don't you just Adult. do that pretty quick, True, you know? Yeah. <laughs> But he chose to live here and he chose to suffer. And if you look at his ministry, he has all these things happen to him where he loses someone right. he cares about. Mm-hmm. He gets rejected. He becomes an outcast. He gets beat. He gets all sorts of terrible things. And when you sit back and go, God, why did you even do all that? Why did you endure all of these other things, not during your crucifixion, but during your life? And it's yeah. because he's a God who confide with us and know, tell us that he knows exactly how we're feeling in yeah. the middle of those hard times. He chose to be that God for us instead of just being the big guy in the sky mm-hmm. who's like, you know, get over it. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. Okay, Chase, how many, uh, how many times over under are you going to cry on Sunday? Oh, good question. <laughs> over under eight. No, oh my I don't know. Over. During two services? <laughs> I, think, yeah, I, I, think, I think you'll cry. I think sure. maybe I'll cry once. At the beginning? Maybe. Ooh, which service? No, I don't know. But I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Got to get if, to it. Well, here's the deal. I, I, <laughs> Will you see I'm Noah? giving y'all real pre, 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 pre-game pre, pre, here. Pre-game. So, and we can, we can wrap after this story. Right. Part of the faith to believe, faith to receive is what I'm going to talk about. Like we have faith and pray these things, you know, believing God can do it. And then we have to have the faith to receive them. I'm debating about really discussing this because I'm going to cry right now. Like he got the catheter out. And we have a couple days left at this point of just like, let's make sure, make sure, which at that point was even more nerve wracking because it's like, what if y'all weren't sure? We got to yeah. put the catheter back in. Get but my hopes back up. Yeah. And so those days were actually really hard, like the last few days. But this family had come in, and I'm going to give more detail here than I would on a Sunday. The, this family had got brought in, and we're, we're, you know, level four, Medical City, Dallas. Uh, probably once a day we saw a kid come through the hallway from the care flight helicopter. Like mm-hmm. they would fly him in from all over the region. Family comes in and it's a mom and dad. We find all this out kind of later, but mom and dad, not married, have this baby. And it's a boy. I I do not remember his name for the life of me. Legend. No, not legend. This is oh. a different story. Mm-hmm. Uh, legend was another little buddy. He's actually home now too. It was oh, good. Wow. But um, another little boy though. At some point, his basically his heart was not going to function, and there wasn't really much they could do. Well, the dad dipped, just left, never came back. Wow. Never said anything. The mom, they had flown them in from, like, Tyler, basically, somewhere out East Texas. So she had some family that was trying to make it there to get to her. At the end of the day, the baby died. But 
what was crazy was just this picture because <laughs> we're in the room right next door and the way that the pods were set up is basically there's like two rooms, but they share this little triangular space and there's like computers there. So like when you walk out of your room, you look across at the door for the other room. You can see everything. So basically whoever's in that room, you get to know them really well because we're all really close. But they they took Legend, the other buddy that was in that room and moved him out so that the mom and, and that boy were by themselves. And our room kind of, you know, pastor, Serena's a therapist. It kind of became like a cry hub for, for the hospital staff uh, over those 46 days. Uh, but I remember the nurses would come in and they would all say like, oh, I just need to see Noah and get a smile because today's, today's rough because they were going to take him off life support. Mm -hmm. And the there's a pastor, priest, the hospital chaplain, um, chaplain thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, and he would come by every day, sweet little old guy. And I mean old, like I think he'd been there since Dallas was established. <laughs> but um he would come by with his little walker and pray for everyone. And we kept seeing him a lot that day. Uh, different doctors, nurses coming in. I mean, just all the paperwork. It's just insane. But I just remember like they closed the door, pulled the curtain. Some of the, that, the mom's family had gotten there, thankfully. Um, and and he, he passed away while we were there. And it's just like, I've never dealt with that personally. Like I know people have lost family members. They've been in the room, but for like a baby and then for Noah to be sitting there like smiling with nothing, like wow. his IV was gone. They were letting us take off even his like monitors so that he didn't have any cords. And at that point we're even like, can we go now? We're just holding them, you know, like he's free. Mm -hmm. um, but that day of like life and death right there side by side, that was where it was like, hard for me to receive this because yeah. that baby didn't get it. Right. Yeah. And and like me and Serena prayed for any any family, any kiddo that we met. Montana brought up Legend. Legend was was the baby that Noah shared a room with first and then was next door. And we got to know his his parents really well. And he he got born at like a pound, one pound literally, wow. and had been there for like six months. And so it that was that's hard. It's hard to you feel shame, you feel mm. selfish, you feel guilt for receiving this miracle and and that baby didn't. Wow. And I, I have played that reel over and over of, well, his dad left and maybe he would have been in a really bad home. And like, but none of that, none of that's helpful. It's not right. helpful for me. It's not helpful for that mom. And I, I never said that to her. Don't worry. But how do you reconcile that? Mm. And and I think that's one of those those deals of I have to get okay with not being able to explain everything. Yeah. And and that is so difficult. Um, I think about Jesus and all the questions he asks. And it's just like, man, sometimes the explanation is not going to matter anyway. It's not going to suffice because the world is not fair. Right. Sin is not fair. We're here, but it's it's not about fair. Like it's about it's about his presence. It's mm -hmm. about him taking the bad that happens and being able to use it for good. And that that is the thing. Like these nurses, unfortunately, see that all the time. But that situation with the nurse that we had a couple days that week. Uh, it, it was just like it opened a whole door for us to stay connected with her and to be friends with her and to be mm -hmm. able to pray for her and for her to know like just, hey, here's parents who are grateful. We're super grateful. And I just remember those little moments of like, yes, God does not like that baby dying. But at the same time, everything surrounding that, even seeing the mom after, like the peace beyond understanding deal, like she had on her face. And it was just all, all she wanted to do is hold the baby. Because she wasn't able to hold him because he was on life support. But like for even her, like her family crying, she was just this kind of steady rock of like, this sucks, but he was loved uh, to the best of everyone's capacity. Wow. He was loved for the short time he had here. Mm -hmm. And like, that's just a 
haunting, I say it's probably a bad word, haunting, but like, but really it's like, that has me just, I'll think about that for the rest of my life. So anyway, I I won't go into the details of that, but that was part of that challenge of like, why Noah over him? And, but but if it would have been flipped, I'd have been like, well, why that kid, not Noah, God? And (laughs) being a human is tough. (laughs) Living in in this world is tough. That's good. I don't even know if that's an encouraging word to end on, but. That's a great way to end. But it's true. It's a great way to end. It's true. Well, the encouraging word is that we don't have to live it alone. There you go. Yeah. It's good. It's true. It's true. We're going to wrap the the message with kind of a personal moment. I think we're still debating on the song. So tell me what song did we do? Uh, pretty sure it's faithful to me. But like just that was something I would say, and I, and I want to make sure I say it on Sunday and just a reminder too of coming back, like that daily bread deal that I'll start with. Find that thing. It could be a song. It could be a verse. It could be a moment. It could be a space in your home, in your car, in a part, whatever. But like find that one thing that you can just in this hard season keep coming back to and keep reminding yourself because some of the days are going to be good news and then they're going to be bad news again. They're going to be good news again. They're going to be bad news again. Like that's never going to change. But having that Mm -hmm. steady thing that reminds you of the steady God, Mm -hmm. like that is so important. And we talk about spiritual disciplines. It's a great list to choose from, but like find that thing Mm -hmm. because that's what you can hold on to when everything else continues to be tumultuous and constantly changing. And so, so yeah, I like, I just want to encourage you. What is the thing that reminds you that you're not alone? Mm-hmm. Is it a song? Is is it journaling? Is it a moment of silence? What is that thing? And and hold on to it. Well, thanks for joining us for Talk It Out. This uh, next week, we'll be starting a new series called You're Invited. And this is a great series. You know, everyone says these statistics, like nine out of 10 people will come to church if you invite them personally. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but let's put it to the test, right? Um, but seriously, like if you have someone who just moved in your neighborhood, you work with, invite them to church. This is a great series to come and hear really like the simple, basic principles of what it really looks like to accept the invitation Jesus gives us to a new life. And so I'm, I'm excited about it. It's a great opportunity that will even start conversations conversations, I think, with people who don't follow Jesus, aren't plugged into a church. And so it's a great time to to invite some new people to come with you here across summer. It's going to be really good. So we'll see you next time, though. Hope you have a great day. We'll see you next time on Talk It Out.